Hallelujah, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, 
About the people that we step on Better show our worth while here on earth For soon the chance is gone Don't gossip about your neighbor We gotta show more love One of these days we're gonna stand Before that big man above I gotta help your Calculations, church will start in three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. My name's Chris. I'm the worship leader here. This is Justin. This is Derek. Who so, needs those other guys? Who needs those guys? Missing Zach and Sean this morning. So we're going to rock it three piece for you. We encourage you to sing along, worship. Justin's got a stomp box. Oh, we're about to rock. Here we go. I was all alone drifting on a lonely sea of sin Nothing but darkness, so sunshine within I lifted my eyes to the Lord in the sky Jesus remembered me Jesus remembered me And so he set me free Once I was blind but Shining, I'm happy and free. No more sorrow, trouble to see. I'm going home to glory, my Savior to see. Glory to God, He remembered me. Jesus remembered me, and so He set me free. Once I was blind. Two disciples at the Sea of Galilee said he'd remember a mortal like me. I asked for his blessing down on my knees, and glory to God, he remembered me. Jesus remembered me, and so he said, Be free. Once I was blind, but now I morning, C3 family. This is your call to worship for today. I'm reading Jeremiah 24, 6 through 7. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel declares. 
My eyes will watch over them for their good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that we can come together and worship you. Lord, let our worship be sweet aroma to you. Let it honor you, I pray. And help us, Lord, to remember that you want to build us up, that you want to plant us, and that you want to be our God. I thank you, Lord, for those promises. Let them go with me this week and throughout my days, I pray. Lord, let us rejoice in you today. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Be the light in the cracks Be the one that's mending the camel's back Slow to anger, quick to laugh Be more hard and less attack Be the wheels, not the track Be the wonder that's coming back Leave the past right where it's at Be more hard and less attack you have cause it's you in the mirror staring back quick to let go and slow to react be more hard and less attack ever growing steadfast and if need be the one that's in the gap be the never turning back twice the hard we make it happen Right where it's at, be more hard and less attack. Be more hard and less attack. Be more hard and less attack. attack. 
Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning uh, Bible study and worship time with Christ Community Church. We're very happy to be here. We're just happy as heck to be here. We had a friend in Texas that would say, I'm happy as heck to be here. Yes, and she was glorious. (laughs) She was. And uh, uh, Christopher, thank you for the worship, as always. always. It's wonderful. Bless you, bless you, bless you. And all those that help you. Uh, so Larry's been teaching yeah. through the Shema, yes. uh, which he is going to continue today. And the portion of it, or the word, um, that he, we are going to focus on today <laughs> yeah. is uh, the heart. The heart. Love the Lord with all thy heart. Yes. Love the Lord with all of your heart. All of yeah. your heart, yeah. yeah. And so I just chose a couple of lines <clears throat> from famous poetry that deal with the heart. If you want to... Google <laughs> poetry about the heart, and you can read for the rest of your life um, about what poets have to say about the heart. But here are a few. I'm that- just laughing at you. I've done a lot of things in my life, but I can say with absolute honesty, I've never Googled poetry about the heart. You should give it a go. <laughs> I've, I've and you never might done. you might absolutely be It might be a life changer for me. It could. Okay, well why don't you share? I will. Something? I will. Okay. So, um E.E. <laughs> e. Cummings, the poet E.E. E. Cummings, the American poet, <laughs> just says very famous but I carry your heart with me. He says mm-hmm. to his lover, mm-hmm. I carry your heart. And we understand there of course that that's that that is a metaphorical yes. that, that that has meaning and weight yes. apart from the literal. Yes. My heart leaps up, Wordsworth mm-hmm. says, mm-hmm. when his when he beholds a rainbow. Yes. Shakespeare says, mine eye and heart are at mortal war. What I see and what I feel are at war with one another. And all of us can identify That's with, good. with that. Wordsworth yeah. said that. Shakespeare said that. I'm sorry, Shakespeare. Uh, so he, could, he could turn a phrase every once in a while. Uh, about 150 <laughs> times in the, in the sonnets. Yeah. And then uh, Sir Philip Sidney said, My true love hath my heart, and I have his. Say it one more time. My true love hath my heart, and I have his. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? I love it, yes. Thank and you. And then there's a lot of religious poetry, of course, <clears throat> that deals with the heart. I'm just going to mention one, John Donne, who's maybe my, fa- my favorite religious poet, Christian poet. This is a wonderful sonnet, but I'm just going to read two lines. Batter my heart, three-personed God, for you as yet, but knock. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and I think that fits where we're going today. Batter my heart, three-personed God, for you as yet have knocked. Mm. That the Spirit's been, the three-personed God has been knocking at his heart, but that hasn't worked and so he says, batter, batter it down, batter, batter it down, batter it down, batter my heart. Mm. Thank you, Gina. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it is. As my bride, thank you. I wish thank I'd you. written it. Yes. Um, I wish you had to. I don't even care to have written it, but I'm, I'm, I would love for you to have written it. Um, uh, we are in a series, a study about the Shema, which is a Hebrew declaration of faith. Uh, a prayer, a, a means of, uh, of worship that devout Jewish people have lifted to Yahweh every morning and every evening for 3,500 years. Uh, it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, 5, and 6, where uh, it declares, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, 
the Lord is one. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And let the words that I have commanded you today be on your heart continually. Jesus said it was the most important concept or passage in the whole Old Testament. Really, it was the, the forgive the pun, the heart of the Old Testament were those verses. And uh, it's the fourth key word. We looked at the word listen, which is a Hebrew word for Shema. We looked at the word Lord or Yahweh, and we looked at the word um, love. Love the Lord. What does it mean to love? We looked at that last week. And so now it's we're, we're going on with this passage, and it says not just to love. Love who? Love the Lord with all of your heart. And so what does that mean to love the Lord with all of your heart? I'm going to put you on the spot just for a second. I'll do my best. We're going to look at this a little more in detail in a few minutes, but... Solomon says that the heart is the wellspring of life. That's even better than Dunn and Shakespeare and Wells and Wordsworth, I think. But anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, no, Solomon, no. Said, the, 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 Solomon said uh, that the heart is the wellspring of life. What do you think he meant? There's not a right answer. It can mean many things, but what do you think that meant? Um, perhaps it is like... What, what my mind imagines is like a bubbling spring, like mm-hmm. where you would draw fresh, cold water. Okay. Um, or, or perhaps a deep well okay. where one would gather okay. water. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's many. What's the well, line again? The heart, and we'll look at it in a little while, but the heart is the wellspring of a... So the, like the from life, the heart comes the wellspring. Yeah, so life. life comes from the heart. Okay. Oh right. yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I just yeah. I just wonder what you yeah. thought. You don't even know this, I'll bet. But when I first graduated from grad school from seminary, one thousand uh, years yeah, ago, at least, uh, <laughs> your dad uh, <laughs> said, "Congratulations on graduating from grad school. Way to go! Uh, you're you're a preacher now." And I said, well, I guess so. And he said, I got a question for you. Now that you've gone through seminary and you have all the answers, what does the phrase heart of hearts mean? Because I hear preachers saying, you know, give Jesus, uh, uh, you know, your heart. From your heart of From your heart of hearts. And I said, I don't know. That's not even in the Bible. So I don't even know what what that means. Oh, is that from Shakespeare? Shakespeare. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. So anyway, I thought that was funny. The deepest part of your heart. Of all the things he could have asked me, what does the word or the phrase heart of hearts mean? I said, I I don't even know. Um, uh, uh, Moses tells us in the Shema uh, that we are to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart. Uh, but my question for us today to think about is, what does that mean? What does it mean to love God with all of our heart? Uh, let me give you a little background. I enjoy this part. I hope y'all do. Uh, in uh, ancient Hebrew culture, uh, the Israelites, as well as the, the countries around Israel at that time, they understood the, the physical organ. Mm-hmm. They, they knew that about the heart, the, the, the organ that pumps blood. They understood that. They wrote about it. Um, uh, somebody in the Bible, his name was uh, Nabal, uh, Abigail's wife, mm-hmm. uh, Abigail's husband, he had a heart attack. 
So, you know, the Bible even talks about the physical organ, the heart, and, and having a heart attack. Um, they understood that. But Israel, ancient Israel, like the, the ancient countries around Israel, they did not have any, uh, they had little, if any, understanding of the brain. In fact, they didn't even have a word in ancient Hebrew for the brain. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't know anything about that. Um, the, the heart in Hebrew thought and culture and writing, as well as in the nations around Israel at that time, the heart meant a lot, like in English, it can refer to the organ that pumps blood, but it can also mean many, many more things. It represents way more than just that organ that pumps course, blood. Yeah. Um, three things that it represented at least. Uh, the heart was where your thinking and your intellectual activity occurs. The Bible talks about having a heart of knowledge, an understanding heart, a heart of reason, a heart of wisdom, a discerning heart. So uh, the, the heart would be a place uh, where, we, where people would think and use their intelligence. That's, that's where the, the heart would also reflect uh, that where, that's where we experience feelings and emotions. Okay? Um, Hannah had a broken heart mm. over the sorrow that she experienced from not being able to have a child. In fact, the word, the phrase, bro- we have a broken heart, comes from that passage from Hebrew uh, uh, in 1 Samuel. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's a place of feelings and emotions. The, the Bible talks about uh, the heart being where we feel. Fear, a fearful heart, uh, a distressed heart. Uh, 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 the heart was a place up where we could experience depression. Uh, it was also the opposite. It was a place, a joyful heart, a happy heart, a thankful heart. The Bible talks about all of those. Wholehearted. Whole, yes, yes. Well, actually, we'll get to that one in just a second. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then thirdly, the Bible talks about the heart as, it, as a place where we make choices based upon our desires and our affections, the desires of our heart. Uh, That's where we have desires and affections, and then we make choices and decisions based upon those desires and affections. David had a heart, the Bible says, to build a temple for Yahweh. Now, he didn't get to do it. Solomon was given that privilege, but he had a heart, a desire to do that, right? So, um, so for Israel and the countries around Israel at that time, the heart was the center of all that defines us and all that drives us. It, it, it included our physical organ. When the Bible talks about the heart, it included the physical organ, but also a place of intelligence, emotions, desires, goals, motives, choices. Uh, uh, a repentant heart. It was also the place... Uh, in a person's life where we would choose to be sorry for our sin or for our actions, and then we would choose to repent. Uh, it was a, the, the Bible talks about a heart of regret, mm-hmm. where we are we regret previous things that we've done that we wished we had not done. Uh, at the end of the day, if you study that idea of the heart, especially in the Old Testament, what you see is is that the the ancient Hebrews would have seen the heart as the most important part of us. It's, it's literally the, the part of our being that drives us and it defines us. Um, 
Yeah, uh, as I said in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon said this, above all else, and you think about that, above everything else in life, guard your heart, Mm. for from it flows your entire life. That's that's an amazing statement that of everything that exists in your life, guard your heart, because from it flows your entire life. And yet, as I studied that, thought this week, Shirley, I have to ask myself the question, guard your heart because it's the most important part of your being, and yet I would suggest that for many of us, it's one of the most neglected parts of our bodies, parts of our lives. Um, I bet we check cholesterol and weight and Blood pressure and and I don't know what else people check. Uh, blood sugar. Fat grams and blood sugar. Uh, I bet people are much more uh, diligent about guarding other parts of their lives. They're fine. Check the stock market. Uh, they check other parts of their lives far more often and seriously than they do their hearts. Literally and figuratively. Yes, yes. Um, Jesus said it this way uh, three times, maybe four times. He he mentions the parable of the four soils. And I'm not going to get it. We don't have time to go into all the that whole parable where the sower came and th- sowed the seed into the four kinds of soil. But, all, but while it has a lot of lessons there, there is no lesson in the parable of the soils that is more clear and powerful than the message that my heart will determine whether or not I am able to hear from God and receive from God. So it's a big deal. That's the point. It's a, it's a big deal. Um, uh, the condition of my heart will determine whether I can hear from God and receive from God. Um, that makes sense. You Absolutely. see what I'm saying? There? Yes, yeah. yes. Well, the Bible not only stresses the importance of our heart, it also warns us of the danger of our heart. Our heart is not only an incredibly important part of our identity, it's also a very dangerous part uh, of our identity. Uh, and this is where Christianity would um, be very unique. I don't know of another religion. If there is one, then maybe somebody can help me learn about it. But Christianity is unique on many levels for many thoughts. But one of those levels or thoughts is that Christianity declares consistently and boldly that the heart, our heart is broken. It's fundamentally broken. Uh, and it left to itself... It will lead us to think things, feel things, and do things that are incredibly evil. Um, I know that is a message that is foreign and contrary and probably offensive to many of our friends uh, who would like to believe that the heart left to itself is going to choose the right thing. But the Bible would declare that a heart left to itself will not choose the right thing. That, it, that because it is so fundamentally uh, broken. Um, uh, and I find it sort of, I find it important to remember that because it's one of the things that unifies all of us. I don't care whether you're a 
conservative or a liberal, uh, a Republican or a Democrat, whether you're educated or uneducated, rich or poor, male, female, young, old, woke or unwoke. I cannot believe you just said the word woke. Well, isn't that a word people I are think, Yes, yeah. it is. So there yes, you go. So, but yeah. I don't care what, <laughs> what you are. At the end of the day, your heart's broken. Every one of us, wherever you fall on any topic, any issue, any anything, we might fall on two different sides of a fence. But what one of the things that unites us is that we all were born with hearts that are fundamentally broken. Let me just give you three verses that remind us of that. In Genesis 6, it's, the Bible says, God saw that human beings... I'm sorry, it says that God saw the evil behavior of human beings and their desires and thoughts were evil at all times. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have good things, good thoughts, good deeds, good behavior. But what it's saying is... And we is, can train is, ourselves, which we'll get yes, to in a second. But what Moses is saying there in this passage in Genesis 6, it, when he wrote it, is that our brokenness taints and influences everything in our life. I can't set that aside. I can't say, oh, now I've gotten past that. Right. It, right, right. It's there. It's always there. And it always infiltrates and influences. Even the good things I do, often I do with evil motives. What is it? Uh, the, the greatest crime, the greatest treason to do the right thing for the wrong reason. See, you didn't think I knew stuff. Yeah, I know good. stuff. That's good. Yeah, and, and that's a great example. Often, even the most noble of actions, why? And we just have to be honest and say that there are selfish motives in even the most wonderful of deeds. That's a, an evidence That's a part of, it. of our brokenness. Yeah. Jeremiah the prophet said in chapter 17, the heart is deceitful above all else beyond cure. Who can possibly understand it. Dang. And then Jesus said in Mark 7, from the human heart comes evil thoughts, immorality, theft, adultery, murder, greed, malice, deceit, indecence, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from the heart and defile a person. Again, the Bible is consistent and bold in its declaration that while the heart is important, it's broken. It's broken. And for us to, to deny that or ignore that comes with a great cost, um, I, I would suggest. Um, the Bible saints and the Bible writers uh, all agreed that it is very serious. Uh, our heart situation is very serious. It's very desperate. It's very hopeless. Um, apart from external intervention, from external influence, um, we need help with our heart 
issues, our heart problems. Um, Let me give you a few examples. Moses in Deuteronomy 30 said this. said, our only hope is for our heart to experience spiritual surgery and to have a heart transplant performed by God. Hmm. Moses said Moses said that. David begged God to make his heart clean. Another passage said that he begged God to give him an undivided heart. And then another time David said, God, unite my heart in fear with your heart. Again, these are declarations. I know I've got a problem. And listen to who's saying these things. Moses and David. These are not... That's right. Marginal knucklehead people. These are the greatest people that have ever walked the earth, and they recognize, I've got a heart problem. God, I need your help. Ezekiel asked God to replace Israel's hard, prideful hearts with new, soft, humble hearts. And God responded by saying, I will give them a new heart and a new spirit and remove their heart of stone. Jeremiah asked God to write his word upon the hearts of his people. And God said, I will give them a heart to know me. Uh, And they will be my people and I will be their God. And they will return to me with their whole hearts. Mm. And then finally, people might say, well, that's all Old Testament. Yes. The Apostle Paul asked God on numerous occasions to direct our hearts toward God's love, to give us hearts that are steadfast, and to open our hearts, I'm sorry, to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see the truth about God and about how He feels about us. I think that's, that's so important. My point just simply right now is that Moses... David, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Paul, they all recognized that the heart is so broken, so evil, that we cannot fix it, overcome it, minimize the problems on our own. We need God's help. And the Bible would suggest, Shirley, that, uh, and again, this is such a huge subject, there's no way in the world we can cover it all today, But I would just say that according to the Shema, one of the solutions, one of the the answers to our heart problem, the the, the need for God to help us uh, uh, get a new heart and overcome our old heart would be uh, that we daily yield our heart to God. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and let the words that I am commanding you today to be on your hearts continually. I mean, that's a declaration of uh, of submission of God. I'm yielding my life to you today. I'm yielding my heart to you today. I invite you into my life to take control of my heart and to take control of my life and of my heart. So practically, in conclusion, how do we do that? How do we yield our hearts to God, open our hearts up to God, invite God into our heart 
uh, on a practical basis, how do we do that so that God can affect change in our heart, uh, transform our heart, give us a new heart? How do we do that practically? I want to give you quickly three suggestions. First one won't surprise you. Uh, and that is, the Bible tells us that if we want God to invade our heart and change our heart, we need to read the Bible every day. That to the degree that I fill my heart with God's commands, God's words, to the same degree, God will have the opportunity to invade and change our hearts. Um, uh, Jeremiah 15 says, Lord, your words came and I ate them and they filled my heart with joy and delight. 1 Peter 1, Peter says, you, you have been born again, not with things that perish, but with things that will not perish through the living and abiding Word of God. Your bodies are like grass and flowers that wither and fall to the ground, but the Word of God remains forever. And you need this pure spiritual milk that causes you to grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. There is a relationship between letting God's word, letting God's commands, letting God's truth and light uh, fill my life, fill my mind, fill my heart, and God having the opportunity to change and transform and renew and control my heart. The second thing that I would suggest quickly is uh, it's not enough that we just read the Bible and study the Bible. We also need to obey the Bible. We need to obey God's commands. And I, 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 let me just read you a couple of verses here. Uh, um, in 1 John 1, John says, If we walk in the light, if we walk, not know, but if we walk in the light of God's Word as Jesus did, it will impact our lives and our relationships significantly. Luke 11, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And then Jesus said in John 13, If you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And yeah, I was just, you were talking to me the other day about just creating a discipline in your life. Don't do that. Well, just, just I was talking with a, a student actually about um, one of my students about how she was talking about how overwhelming it is that there's so many rules to follow, so many things to know, so many things to do, so many things not to do. All of that in the Bible. In the Bible, yeah. yeah. And uh, that if you if you look at it that way, it's quite overwhelming. Yes. And that that's not incorrect. But what I was thinking with her and what we were talking about is, you know, it's like it's like anything you would tell your child. Pick one thing that you want to do, one thing you want to obey. Not all the hundreds and thousands of rules. But one. as you read the Bible each day, there will be one. God will say one thing to That's you. That's right. And then just say to yourself and to the Lord, I'm going to do that. Today. I'm going to work on that today. That, that I is love what I'm going to concentrate on. I love that on. idea, yeah. I'm not going to worry about the, the thousand things that I'm not. The dietary laws. I'm not, yeah. I'm not or, thinking about or, that today. Or even something that I can't, I, I don't have the strength to deal with it. Don't deal with that today. But in this passage today, that speaks to me. I'm going to obey that, follow that, work yes. on that, be aware of that one thing today. Yeah, I think that by doing that, that, so place that to focus. habit, that discipline, that determination that I'm going to seek God each day by reading His Word. 
And I'm going to find one thing that I think God is saying to me today, and I'm going to practice that. That one, just that one. Just that one. I think that that... What a discipline. Well, and what a way of just saying to God, I open my life up to you. I open my heart up to you. God, I'm trying to submit myself to you by trying to obey this one command. And if you'll help me, I think I'll... I think I can do it. I think I can do it. And through the practice, through the obedience... My heart has changed. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. And then the last one, real quickly, is just the Bible, whether we recognize it or not, makes a very strong connection between my heart and my words. Uh, that that what comes out of my mouth uh, is a real indicator of what's going on in my heart. And I, I just, uh, let me read this verse to you and then we'll end with this. It says in Luke 6, the good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasures of his heart produces evil. For out of the heart's abundance, the mouth speaks. And Shirley, I, I got to just say this and we'll end. Um, we live in a world today, even Christian world, where people want to minimize their words. I can love God and I can even love people, but still talk horribly, talk horribly about people, talk horribly to people, even talk horribly about myself. Uh, um, And I would just say that uh, one of the things that the Bible would say, if I'm trying to submit to God, if I'm trying to submit my heart to God, to yield to God, uh, to let God have His way in my heart and control my heart. What I say, yeah. they, that is an incredibly yep. Im- important and powerful thing. And I just think by daily choosing to read God's Word, find one thing that I can focus on to try to practice and obey, and then being careful about how I speak. And I'm not saying that I have to speak religious language and, you know, and words that don't reflect who I am. But I'm telling you, uh, uh, the words that come out of my mouth, That's right. they, affect, they are affected by my heart and they affect my heart. And they affect those around us. The hearts of those around Absolutely. us. And for us to Absolutely. own that and make that a, a, a priority to work on how we speak. I think those are three effective ways of letting God try to take control of our hearts. We're going to take the Lord's Supper as we end today. Um, We do this for many reasons, uh, not the least of which is just a a visible declaration to ourselves and one another that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and we're trusting in His death on the cross, His atonement, uh, his, His sacrifice to save us. That's our means of finding favor with God. But it's also a way of declaring that God has given us a new heart. He has entered our lives and He's replaced our heart of stone with a heart that is soft because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're grateful for that. And uh, it's just a way of declaring, God, thank you. And please don't stop that ministry that you've begun in our hearts. So let's eat and drink. Bless you. Bless you for being with us today.
We're so glad that you could be here. We hope the Lord has spoken to you today. And we hope that you will just spend this new week thinking about the fact that from your heart flows the wellspring of life. Mm -hmm. Your heart is that which defines you and drives you. God wants to be Lord of your heart. And by, by letting Him have lordship of your heart, It'll change your life for good. It'll change your life forever. Thank you. Have a great week. Slow down, take time, breathe in, he said. He'll reveal what's to come. The thoughts in his mind Always higher than mine He'll reveal all to come So take courage, my heart Stay steadfast, my soul He's in the waiting He's in the waiting Hold on to your hope As your triumph unfolds He's never failing He's never failing. Sing praise, my soul. Find strength and joy. Let his words lead you on. And do not forget his great faithfulness. Finish all he's begun. So take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. He's never failing. You who hold the stars, who call them each by name. You'll surely keep your promise to me that I will rise in your victory. So take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. Hey, thanks again for joining us. Come back next Sunday, 1015 on YouTube Live and Facebook Live for Christ Community Church. Who needs those other guys? No, uh, clearly, we're great without them. Yeah, you need like some more stuff to do, I think. Yeah, I'll get some knee symbols next <laughs> I mean, time. You should get some more yeah, <laughs> knee symbols. That would be hard to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys come back next Sunday, and we're also at the Botanic Gardens on Sunday mornings if you want to join us there. Uh, y'all have a great Sunday and a great week.